Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James 5, 14-16 At first glance, reading through this passage, you would probably assume that this is a promise given to us saying that we have been ordained in the church with a divine right to heal those in need and those who are suffering from physical ailment. And on a surface reading, I would say you're right. But I believe there's a reason why we don't see healing in the church today, or like we read about when Christ was here on earth, or even when the disciples, after he had ascended into heaven, began healing and doing their ministry. And I believe until we understand what this key element is, we ourselves cannot be trusted by God to perform healing in the world today. So what is this thing we're missing? To understand this, we need to look at another story. In Luke 5, 18-25, we see the story of a man who is paralyzed. Now, he's brought to Jesus by his friends, by the assistance of others. Doing a comparison with this story, as the passage we just read describes, when we know someone in need who is sick, the elders are to come and pray over them. It is the efforts of others working towards presenting of the sick before Christ. And here we see this man brought before Christ by the efforts of his friends who were so determined that they actually broke down the roof tiles in order to lower him in the midst of the crowd and present him to Christ. The faith of these men was in Christ's ability to heal their fallen brother. And how does Christ respond to this? Well, in verse 20, we see that when he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now hold up. I thought this person was there for physical healing. Is that not why these men carried their friend to Christ? Was there not a need for physical restoration? But Christ doesn't even seem to acknowledge that. In fact, he seems to point out something entirely different. You see, there was a paralyzed man in front of him, but Christ, looking at the heart, saw that it was not paralysis of the body that the man truly suffered from, but paralysis of the soul. Back in those days, if you were seen with a physical dis like disability or ailment, or if you were poor or just had a rough go at life, it was a common belief that this was God's punishment on you, and that only people who were suffering this were people who had truly sinned against God. So you can imagine the state of this man who, for however long he's been paralyzed, is probably under being told the assumption that you are a sinner and God is passing judgment on you. And so in response to this fear of paralysis that had seized the man's heart, Christ answers with words of affirmation. You are forgiven. You have no more sin. I believe that if 
he had stopped here, to that man, it would have been enough. And the story continues. It goes on and we see that the Pharisees don't like what Christ is saying. They understand the implications that Christ is comparing himself to God. Who is this man who can forgive sins? They consider it blasphemy. As a result, Christ seeing the Pharisees points out to them in verse 22, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? You see, this is a trick question that Christ is posing here. To think about it, neither one of those sentences is difficult. And the point was just that. It was not because it was difficult, but because Christ was showing he had the authority to do both. So here we see an interesting point. The fact that Christ actually leaves the man paralyzed physically to serve a higher purpose in his next work. In response to the doubt of the Pharisees, Jesus tells the man, take up your bed and go home. It is here we see the man is now restored physically, but it came after which he had presented, and that was himself seeking healing spiritually. Looking back at James, we see that the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Now, while we see that the prayer of faith is required, it's not clear as to who is praying. We assume that it's the elders of the church who had been told to pray over him in the previous verse. But is it really them? Or is this the prayer of repentance? Is this the prayer that seeks to truly surrender to God? In which case, that prayer cannot come from the elders. It can only come from the sick. Do we understand our need for healing? Do we understand the sickness that has paralyzed our souls? And if so, have we presented ourselves before God? Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. How often we are to put the burden and the responsibility of bringing us to Christ on others. We look to our pastors, to our elders, to people of spiritual leaders and say, well, you tell me about Jesus why I should believe in him, rather than going ourselves. Or we are the opposite, where we just seek to do everything ourselves and ignore the direction of others. But here in this passage, the reason there was healing in Christ's time that we don't see today is the fact that Christ intended for the church and the individual to work together. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 tells us, If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, the thing we're told, the Lord will raise him up. It does not say out of his sickness, but it is a guarantee out of death. Why do we not see the healing of the people today? It's because we have not first understood the need for healing of our souls. And if we are allowed, after understanding this, to remain in anguish for a little while, 
It is because God has a crowning act that will inspire the faith of others and silence doubts. May we all come to understand that the healing of our souls, presenting ourselves boldly before God and one another in this endeavor. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the message of grace and truth. We ask now, Lord, that your spirit would fill us with understanding and wisdom, that you would guide our hearts and minds before you to seek healing from the master healer, healing of the soul that saves us from death and sin. We know that you would not give us physical bodies just to live on this world, but that you have intended for us to go through this world to learn how to live for eternity. And so as we take that prayer to heart, use us, Lord, restore us, guide us, lead us. We repent of not working together. And in your holy name, we recommit ourselves to this effort. Amen.